Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning. My name is Kathy Solomon. I'm the Director of Community Life and want to welcome you to our worship gathering this morning. As we come and begin our time, we like to start with a call to worship. And this really is to try and bring us into this space um, as we cross the thresholds from outside to in here, just this time of gathering together and setting our intentions Um, We're in this series of uh, 40, and it struck me just about the time of 40, whether that be um, years or weeks or days, and um, that it is a set, not a quick um, period of time. So this morning, I have a reflection from a French Jesuit priest, um, Taylor du Chardin, and um, receive these words as we begin our time this morning. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown something new and yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it takes a very long time and so I think it is with you your ideas mature gradually let them grow Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time, that is to say, grace and circumstances acting on your own goodwill will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Come, let us worship. All right, friends. If you want to make your way back to your seats, that'd be awesome. Ah, it's good to see you all. It's nice to to have a little buzz in the room, too. I love it. Uh, If you came in this morning and you thought to yourself, am I at first Ave or is this Awaken? We were playing the Foo Fighters. Uh, Many of you know we lost a legend in rock and roll, the drummer for the Foo Fighters this last week, so Taylor Hawkins. Um, Hi, everybody. My name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Very glad that you're here. Uh, Before we jump into the teaching, just a couple of things we want to let you know about. First, if you're new, we're really glad you're here. There are some cards in the seat pockets in front of you, or you can go online and fill out a form that lets us know you were here. Somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice if you choose to do that. Get to know you, and you can get to know us a little bit more. 
Um, tithes and offerings and those cards can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. We're appreciative of both of those. Um, next week, Danny, our finance chair, will be here for his quarterly update. So be looking for the sweater vest next week from Danny. Um, that'll be a, a, a good timing to kind of let you know where things are at with, uh, as we round out our fiscal year. Um, in terms of announcements, things that are happening, we want to let you know about. First, I'll let you know, um, there is a, uh, an event April the 3rd, 7 to 8.30, Jane is leading that, uh, essentially on spiritual journeys and uh, what it means to be on one. Uh, you get to hear from some different people who are at different places along their spiritual journey and the questions that often come. So this will be a panel, interactive experience, so you can participate in that. Um, there is also an artist mingle happening our April the 7th from 7 to 9. A little tweak on that, there's a Seder meal. So if you've never done a Seder meal, um, Mel is leading that, and it uh, you know, is directed towards artists in our community. But if you're not an artist, like self-proclaimed, but you want to participate, no one will tell you you can't go. All right. So that's um, April 7th, 7 to 9, and I think there are a limited number of seats for that. So if you're interested, let Mel know. Um, last but not least, Lenten gatherings are happening Wednesday nights. Um, some of you have been with us in that. We're following St. Francis, who's over here in this window. Um, we sang a prayer that he wrote, um, that last song. And that's been really sweet. So I invite you to that, 6.30, um, very low-key, um, pretty contemplative, uh, and that'll happen throughout the rest of Lent. And then I just have one more thing that I want to add, and this is um, coming up. Um, April the 24th, so the Sunday after Easter, is actually Orthodox Easter, when the Orthodox Church celebrates Easter. Um, we are hosting an event in the neighborhood where we're going to be making Ukrainian eggs. So um, if you don't know, there's like a traditional, um, well, a tradition of making these eggs in Ukraine and other parts of Eastern Europe. They look a bit like this. And Danny, who will be here next week, our finance chair, his grandma actually leads this for their family. Like every year they do it. And Danny said, hey, what if we did this and gave it away to the neighborhood? So we're doing that. And we need table hosts. Um, we're going to have 10 tables, six people at each table. We're going to do two seatings on the 24th, invite the neighborhood to come and make eggs. So we need people to host those tables, um, help people like make these eggs. And so we want to teach you how to do it. So if you're interested... The training is April the 7th. It's a Thursday night. It'll be like 6 o'clock-ish um, around there. So um, just that's like save the dates, um, and then there'll be opportunities to sign up for that in the weeks coming. Sound good? All right, friends. Um, welcome back to Lent. It's week four of Lent. Uh, Lent, of course, is the journey from Ash Wednesday to Easter, a journey of uh, intentionality, of preparation. It's where we, uh, some people refrain from something or fast from something in order to experience something else in a new way or a different way. Uh, this year, I've actually added something to my life. Um, I've taken something away, but also added something to my life. Um, daily meditation. I don't know if anybody... Um, I was curious. I was thinking about this this morning. How many of you like have a daily, weekly... Let's just call it a rhythm or a habit of meditation. Anybody? You can include yoga in that, by the way. Anybody in the room? A few? Yeah. I... I a while back, we did a series on spiritual practices, and this was going to be one of them, and I was just like, I can't preach about that because I really don't do it. But this Lent, I was like, one friend of mine from Awaken and I, we've committed ourselves to meditating daily, and I'm telling you, it's, you should try it. It is really something. Uh, I'm learning so much about myself and about what it means to be open and awake, and um, the, the stiller you are, the deeper you go, right? There's a nugget. Just think about that one this week. The stiller you are, the deeper you go. Uh, one of my other favorite ones is to, uh, to observe without um, evaluation is the highest form of thinking. To observe without evaluating. So to be totally present, 
available here without evaluating, without judgment, without hierarchies, without critique, um, is the highest form of thinking. Friends, that is what we're after. That's the spiritual life that we're looking for from you all at Awaken. Right? That's the deep end of the pool. That's a mature uh, individual who can observe, be present, be in a moment, be totally there, not somewhere else, and also be a non-anxious presence, to not evaluate, not judge. So, um, I'm loving it. I just wanted to offer that, you know, like, you can't take people where you've never been, so there you are. Um, and, and also, just to say, for the rest of you who have chosen to do something for Lent, an encouragement. Keep going. Keep going. This stuff matters, right? I've got a whole sermon to preach, but, like, I just wanted to stop here and say, this kind of stuff, it really matters. Like, who we're becoming what are the things that we have in our lives that are helping us become the kinds of people we want to be? You can't just show up at the end and be like, yeah, that's the character I wanted to be, and not do any of the things that help that person get there. Okay? So keep going. You can do it. We're almost there. It's almost, it's almost Good Friday. A couple more weeks, and we've, we've made it through Lent. Um, we are in a series, as Kathy mentioned, uh, the, 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 entitled 40, because 40 in the Bible is not just a number. It's not just days or weeks or months or years. It's not just the number of things in a room or a place. It's actually like a spiritual idea. It's a, a journey of letting go of something to receive something, of death and rebirth. So it's fitting to do this during Lent, right? This death to resurrection kind of movement in the, uh, the story of, of Jesus. Um, I, uh, I had four grandparents, um, two on my mom's side, two on my dad's side. And one of them on my dad's side, his name was Elmer, Grandpa Elmer, uh, Grandpa Elmer Witham. And he was a character. Uh, my brothers and I affectionately called him Elmo. I don't think we ever called him that to his face. But we did call him Elmo, Grandpa Elmo. And he was, uh, he was an interesting fella. Very, very loud. You know like the old, loud, awkward person in the restaurant? Do you all have that person in your mind? Who says things where you're like, oh my gosh, do not, Grandpa. That was my Grandpa Elmer. He was notorious for saying very embarrassing, very awkward, and inappropriate things at time too. Um, I... There's one that just is seared in my memory that I will not tell you this morning because it is not appropriate for church. Maybe if you come to the bar on Sunday nights where I'm bartending, I will tell you that story. Um, but he would repeat, and he'd repeat stories all the time. I can't tell you how many times I, I've heard the story about Nome, Alaska, and like being the B-52 bomber served in World War II, you know, or how to say thank you in Japanese, right? They, they were in Jap Japan for a while. Um, but inevitably, whenever my brother Josh would walk into a room, you know what's coming, right? Josh fit the battle of Jericho, Jer and he had a baritone voice, so he would really ham it up, you know? Josh fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho. And we would all just be like, oh my gosh, Grandpa, please stop. Um, and I tell you that story, hey, how's it going? See you later. I tell you that story because we are talking about Joshua today, Joshua in the Bible. Um, who is an amazing, amazing story, uh, amazing guy from what we know of him. There's a lot we don't know, but we're spending some time with Joshua because Joshua had 40 years between when he was a spy and when he led the people of Israel into the promised land. Um, remember, he was one of the 12 spies sent in, one of the two spies that came back and gave a positive report to Moses and the Israelites, 10 others who said, we can't make it. Joshua and Caleb said, we can, but then waited for 40 years in the desert, growing up, uh, waiting for a generation of people to die so that another generation of people could go into the promised land. So Alec and Abby are going to read our passages this morning, um, if you guys want to take your spots there. Um, and we're going to hear quite 
uh, well, a sizable portion of Scripture from Numbers chapter 27 and Joshua chapter 1. So if you're able, I would invite you to stand for the reading of the word and uh, a little bit of an intro into the story of Joshua. So here we go. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man whom in the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, as the Lord instructed through Moses. And this is Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give you, excuse me, give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon um, to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Pray with me. God, this morning as we uh, attend to this story and our own stories, the story of our community, um, the story of the world and what it means to be a human, all these things, um, it's not just church, it's more than that. Um, we're a part of something bigger. And so I pray that uh, you would visit us, that you would speak, that you would offer a word of encouragement, of exhortation, of challenge, of, of life and of hope to us. Uh, I pray these things in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit church said together. Amen. You may be seated. So the story of Joshua, what you heard were two really important moments in Joshua's life, uh, in his story. Uh, the first was, remember, the Israelites wandered for 40 years. So the spies go in, they come back, they give the report, they don't go into the land, and God says essentially, everyone over the age of 20 will die in the desert and the next generation will go. So they've wandered around in the desert for 40 years and at the end of that wandering, Moses asks for a leader. Uh, like, before I die, appoint a leader for these people, a shepherd, so that uh, they are not like sheep without a shepherd. And Joshua, or God says, uh, appoint Joshua. 
And we see, we heard that story uh, of, of that happening. And then uh, Moses dies and Joshua 1 uh, opens and we hear the story of Joshua essentially like taking the reins of leadership, taking this mantle of leadership from Moses and beginning this uh, journey of leading the people into the land. And I actually want to read just one more portion of uh, Joshua chapter 14. You don't have to stand for this, uh, but uh, just to sort of fill out this story, and then we'll sort of dive in here. So this is Joshua 14, so we're into the book a little bit, and he says this in verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, that's the entrance to the land, uh, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Joshua speaking here. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites, this is 45 years later, he's still calling them my fellow Israelites, who went up with me made, their hearts, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And so on that day Moses swore to me, the land on, your, on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because they have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive 45 years. So this is 45 years later he's talking. Since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So I am here today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. So, we have three passages trying to get a sense of Joshua's life. Because to be very clear with you and honest with you, uh, I don't know that I've wrestled with a sermon more than I have this one in a very long time. This one was like a cat that didn't want to be caught. I just like couldn't grab its tail <laughs> the whole time. And uh, in part, it's because uh, we're focusing on a 40-year period. Right, 40 years from when Joshua, which we have a text for, when he went into the land and was a spy and came back, 40 years he waited until he became the leader of Israel. And so we're asking, well, what happens in this 40-year period of time for Joshua? And friends, there's no text. <laughs> so I'm preaching a sermon from which there is no text. Uh, it's just 40 years of wandering. It's 40 years of, uh, you know, Joshua, imagine, you're him. You go in as a spy, and then you come out, and it's like, well, you've got a lot of time on your hands, a lot of waiting so the people wander around in the wilderness. If you ever look at like maps for the wilderness journey, they basically just go like this all over the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years. Camping, setting camp, and breaking camp. And then walking a little bit. Setting camp and breaking camp. And walking a little bit. Setting camp and breaking camp for walking. And that's all they do for 40 years. And, uh, you know, in some ways, it's like, imagine if you're Joshua. What are you thinking in 40 years of wandering, waiting and, you know, to be clear, uh, we don't really know, according to the timeline, the, the sort of consecration of Joshua that we heard in, in, uh, in Numbers 27 doesn't happen until late. doesn't happen until late in the wanderings when Moses realizes, like, okay, this thing's coming to an end. I'm not going in. He, struck, he just struck the rock instead of spoke to the rock in Numbers 20. He finds out he's not going to be the one who leads them in. So this is late in the years. So, like, what are you thinking if you're Joshua? The Lord says, like, you'll get to go in, you and Caleb, but this whole generation of people won't. And so you just wait for 40 years. And traditional sermons of Joshua, on the, the character of Joshua go something like this, right? Um, 
It took 40 years for Joshua to become a leader. So, you know, God's not done with you. Just keep going. Or Joshua, a man of courage, so be courageous. Uh, Joshua didn't fight his battles alone. He depended on the Lord, so trust God. <laughs> yeah. Or my favorite one, Joshua's secret. I did just go on the internet and look for these sermons, by the way. <laughs> Joshua's secret was his devotion to the word of God. So study your Bible. Which I have so many problems with that one because it's like anachronism to the nth degree. He didn't have a Bible. Like this wasn't even written then. You know, he, they had an oral tradition where they would have recited Torah together. But that's not like the Bible. So the obvious answer is not study your Bible. <laughs> okay, but anyways... I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to do any of that. I thought about it for like two seconds, you know, because I just couldn't find anything to talk about or where to go. I just like, what are we going to do on Sunday? Um, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. Um, I'm honest to a fault at times. People sometimes say, Micah, maybe you shouldn't be so honest, which I don't think that's ever a good idea. Don't be honest. Um, and I'm just going to let you in to my, like, wanderings. Not only my wanderings, but my wonderings. Because this story and this guy and these passages that we have actually have like raised in me some really uh, pointed and poignant and I think important questions. And so I just thought, I'll just, I'll just let you in on what those things are. So this is like a, a, um, a sermon. It's not as much a teaching as much as it is like wandering with Pastor Micah. Um, thinking about Joshua and what we know about him. So um, that's what we're going to do today, because that's all I've got. Uh, so first, the first thing I was wondering about is Joshua's calling and his consecration moment, right? Numbers chapter 27. Moses realizes at the end of his life he's not going into the land, and he says, it's quite stunning, he's like, um, may the Lord who gives breath to all living things. I mean, when you start a sentence like that, like, Something important is about to happen. Uh, appoint someone over this community. Because it's not going to be me. I know that. So God, would you appoint someone to, to be over this community who will go out before them and come in after them, right? Essentially, like someone who's first in and last out. Someone to lead them. Someone to be their shepherd so that they don't wander a sheep without a shepherd. God, would you give me that gift, Moses says, so that I can see it. So maybe at least if I don't go into the land with them, I can kind of like rest easy that someone's going to lead them. These people that he's grown to love for 40 years of struggle, right? There are times when he's like, God, these are your people. Like you do with them what you want. And other times when he's like, you can't desert them, right? He advocates for them. So Moses, he loves them and he says, God, appoint somebody. And the Lord says to Moses, it's Joshua. Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit is on, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand. Imagine this. Picture it. Have him stand before Eleazar. Eleazar is the high priest. He's like the big kahuna. He's like the pope. Have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. I was trying to think, what's the equivalent that we have in our culture like today? Where a moment like that 
where like really, really important people, dignitaries, like respected leaders, and everyone comes and we kind of like commission someone for a job. And the only thing I could think of was like the swearing in of a president, right? This is inauguration day. Everybody's there. Joshua, he's the guy. And so Moses, lay your hand on him. And if you've been around like the spiritual world and especially Christians, like the laying of hands is, is a big deal. And it's likely that Joshua would have been kneeling because to like receive a blessing, in Hebrew the word blessing, baruch, it means to kneel. So you would kneel to receive a blessing. And so Moses' hands are on Joshua. He's in front of the high priest of all of Israel, like the, the religious authority and leader before the whole assembly, all the people. This is a huge moment. So this is what happens. Joshua kneels in front of the whole assembly. They pray over him. They commission him. They consecrate him for a job, for a task. It's almost like they ordain him to do this thing for these people. And in, every, in that moment, everybody believes, you have to assume, that God is in this moment. That this is a significant moment. This is a spiritual moment. Like the, the curtain between the the world that we live in and the divine space is thin. Like this is a, a, a thin place as the Irish call it. The, you can sense God's presence, right? I don't know if you've ever been a part of a moment like this before. Or maybe some of you actually have had moments like this before. And they, they follow him. They trust him. They, so it worked. Whatever happened in that moment, it, it took. <laughs> right? Because the people of Israel, like they follow Joshua. And, you know, I don't, I don't mean to, like, denigrate Moses. He seemed to be, like, like, a good guy, too. But Joshua does what Moses didn't. He, he leads them into the promised land. So it worked. Which just brings up a bunch of questions for me. Like, if you've been around Christianity and you've been around the church, maybe you've been in on something like that. Like, what does it mean to be called by God? You know when people say that, like, oh, well, he's called or she's called. You know, the Lord called me. That's weird. Because, like, I haven't audibly heard any voices lately. So, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be set apart or consecrated for something? And I guess one of the really struggling parts to this question for me is like can you take that away can somebody take that away like if you've been commissioned consecrated ordained to something like what do you have to do to lose it can it be lost can a group of people just decide they're no longer consecrated I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I shared a little bit lately, so if you're new around here, just for a second, uh, let me catch you up to speed. Um, you know, my ordination is, is sort of like in the balance, and um, potentially a group of people, evidently in some way, shape, or form, at least in this institution, somebody, a group of people can like, vote and decide you're no longer ordained to this task. 
And whether or not that's going to happen, we'll see. This is June. So I've just really been like, this one's bothered me. And I, uh, I, I guess I'm not totally sure what I think about this. Because <clears throat> I think it means something to be consecrated, to be set apart. Um, but, yeah. I, I remember interviewing for a job, and uh, the, the people on the interview panel are like, so tell us about your call to ministry. I was like, uh, bad. I don't know if I want to answer that question. Or like in church plant training, like that was one of the, you'd, have, you'd, you'd get up in front of all these other, or assessment before these other people being assessed, and they'd ask, you know, so tell us about your call to ministry. And some people are like, well, you know, I was in kindergarten, and I heard the word of the Lord, and uh, the skies opened up, the seas parted, and the Lord was like, you are going to serve me forever. And everyone's like, wow, amazing. That's, wow. And I got up there, and I was like, well, I don't know how I feel about this question, uh, and quite frankly, I, I reserve the right to be called to something else in my life, you know? Like, I don't know that people are just, like, once you're a pastor, you're always a pastor, and if you don't, then you're like some sort of failure because you're, you know, you know like left the ministry or something. So this one's really got me spinning, y'all. This has really got me spinning. So um, a couple of things I want to make clear, because I do know this, and I think there's maybe a bit of uncertainty out there. Um, I've heard word on the street that some of you are like, oh my gosh, if Micah loses his ordination, like, what happens? Is he going to leave? The, can, we, can he be our pastor anymore? And I think that's, a, that's, that's anxiety that I want to, like, quell real quick. Um, here, here's two things. Number one, Awaken in its bylaws for our church has made a provision, kind of like preemptively maybe thinking that this moment might find us at some point in the future. <laughs> And that provision says, we prefer but do not require our pastor, lead pastor, to be licensed and ordained in the covenant. So, as long as we're a part of the covenant, we think that matters, right? Like, yeah, okay, you can clap for that. That's good, yeah. Uh, we prefer but do not require that, the, that our lead pastor be licensed in the covenant. Um, again, if we're a part of this organization, like there are values to it, and we find like good, there are good things about it. We want to be connected, and there, to, be, have, to, to be one under oversight, that's a good thing, especially if you know me. Uh, so that's good, but that, that is in our bylaws, so like if I'm not ordained in the covenant, you don't have to fire me, okay? Uh, and then secondly, um, I have no intention of leaving Awaken, if I lose my ordination in the covenant. Um, I, at least for this, for right now, like today, I know uh, that's not true. <laughs> and uh, if, I, if that's not in my intention. And I don't think, to my knowledge, it's not in the cards for the advisory team to ask me to leave if I'm not ordained in the covenant. Okay? So, just so you know, as we walk this journey out, um, you know, there's a lot of things on the table, but there's a lot of things that are not on the table. Like on Sunday mornings, if I, you know, like on June, whatever the week, it's the 22nd. So the week before that, if I'm with you and I'm preaching and I'm here, and I come back the next week, and that week I lose my ordination, unless I tell you, you won't even know. Nothing will change for you. Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, except I will have a different Bible up here. And there's a stole in my office that I will have given back. Uh, <clears throat> but other than that, that's all. So... Just a little update on our life together, and then, again, an invitation into my wonderings. Like, what does it mean to be called? What does it mean to be consecrated uh, and ordained to something? I think that's a really important question, because I think there's something to that. 
but uh, there's also a lot of weird things that happen with, you know, callings and whatnot. And uh, I, I think it's a valid question for you to consider. So maybe like in your life group or at lunch today, what does it mean to say I'm called by God to do something? What do you mean when you say that? And what does someone else mean when they say, are you called? Tell me about your call to ministry. Like, does it give us some kind of like assurance that, oh, we can trust that person because they were called by God? But what does that even mean, right? So I think that's a really important question to lean into, okay? That's wandering number one. Wondering, wandering, number one. Number two, uh, be strong and courageous. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, Moses in Numbers and then Numbers and Deuteronomy tell the same stories. Uh, actually, if you read them both, you're like, I think I've heard this before. They're telling the same accounts. So in Numbers and in Deuteronomy, and then in Joshua, we hear, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be with you. We hear this over and over and over and over and over again. I did a little digging. To my knowledge, there is nobody in the Bible who hears those words more than Joshua, son of Nun. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous like the Lord is with you. He's for you. He won't leave you or forsake you. Be strong. Nobody else in the Bible hears it more than Joshua. What's so funny about this to me is like if you go into Bible study land, you know, among Christians, like that's the thing. It's like Joshua, strong and courageous. You know, the sermons, they're all about that. And, and, I remember being a counselor in, at camp, okay? I'm like 22 years old. I'm a junior high counselor. A lot of people, they rotated them through camp. We had four camps, you know, little kids and then the elementary school, junior high and senior high. And junior high was the worst. It was like getting sent to do dishes all the time. And nobody wanted to do junior high camp. But for some reason, I loved junior hires. So I was like, just leave me at junior high camp all summer long. And my counselor friends were like, are you psychotic? Have you smoked the marijuana they're going to pass legally in a few years? No, I just love junior hires. So I was at junior hires all the time, and we would do all kinds of fun things at camp, right? We would do the ropes course. We would do climbing. This is Colorado. There were real mountains there, not like Buck Hill Mountains, like real ones. So we would take these kids up, and we would do rappelling. And I remember two instances in particular. One of them, kids on the ropes course, right? A little nervous anyways, but he's, he's going for it. So gets up on the ropes course, gets to the end, and it's the trapeze jump. You know which one I'm talking about? It's the, I think they call it the pamper pole at some place. You climb up this really tall, which is odd. You climb up this really tall pole, and then there's a platform at the top, and then like what appears to be 50 feet out in front of you, but actually like it's only six feet or something like that, is a trapeze bar. And you're all harnessed in or whatever. And you got to jump from the platform and grab the trapeze bar. And this one kid, he gets up to the top and he's like, he's not going. <laughs> like he is just fear stricken. So, I mean, his knees are literally like shaking. And he is like, I am not jumping. And the counselors are like, there's, there's no way down, bro. Except that way. Like, you can't go back down. So you gotta go. And he's like, I will not. And what happened next is all the kids, right? They're watching this take place. And so they begin to gather around. They're like, come on, Tommy, you can do it. You got this. You got it. You can do it. It's in you. You can do it, right? So they're just cheering him on, cheering him on. Finally, Tommy goes to jump for it and he grabs the trapeze bar and everyone's like, yeah, it's awesome. And then he goes down. It was great. There's another kid that was repelling. And <laughs> And if you've ever repelled before, you got to sit in the, the harness. You know what I'm saying? you got to, like, stick your rear end out over the cliff and keep your feet on the rock. 
What you cannot do is begin to like walk it back. Because then it's just like, bam, you just smash into the rock. And this kid, we got him on, on there and the counselors are like, you can do this. You've got it. You, this is so easy. All you have to do is keep your feet, you know, shoulder width apart, keep them planted. Don't move them. And I'll just slowly lower, let, let more rope out, and you'll just like lean back, lean back, and just, just stay right there. Lean back, and then before you know it, you'll be hanging out over, you know, you'll be rear end right over the cliff, and you'll just walk it down. It's going to be awesome. You can do this. You've got it in you. Do you know who doesn't need that kind of encouragement? The one who's really strong and courageous. Do you know what kid doesn't need to hear? You can do it. You got it. It's in you. The one who's just scared out of their mind. I was thinking about Joshua. No character in the Bible hears more than Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You can do this. It's in you. Do not fear. Joshua hears it more than anybody else in the Bible. And we immediately go to like, be strong and courageous like Joshua. And I just wonder if maybe, just maybe, I mean, you read the book of Joshua, and according to the storyteller, whoever that was, maybe he was a big fan of Joshua, and he paints him in a pretty good light. But maybe, just maybe, Joshua is a whole heck of a lot more like you and me than we think. Maybe Joshua is the kid at the top of the pole, the platform. All the kids are gathered around. And the reason why he hears it more than anybody else is because he really needs to know it. That be strong and courageous. You can do this. Whatever is in front of you, you've got it. God, the, one, the God who is with you for the last 40 years will be with you in the moment next and the moment next. So we like paint Joshua as this like hero of the faith. And maybe we should. But maybe he's just like you. So I guess I want to say to you this morning, whatever's in front of you, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. The Lord, the same God who was in a pillar of, day, of, of a cloud by night and whatever it was by fire and day and power, you know what I, you know the story I'm talking about. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That one. That God is still alive. That's what the resurrection says. That's what we believe to be true. That the power, that same power, is alive and well in the world. And friends, if you have a little bit of fear and intrepidation, it's okay. Uh, I used to have this friend named Mike Brown, who was the director, is the director of church planting. He would always say to me, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the unwillingness to allow fear to dictate your next move. So maybe you just need to hear this morning, Joshua is not some rando who's unapproachable. I think maybe, possibly, Joshua is just like you and just like me and who needed more than anybody else to hear, be strong and courageous. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. That's just a wondering. I could be wrong. Last but not least, friends, wandering, wondering number three. Uh, as, <laughs> he was ready, as ready on day one as he, as he was on day 16,425. I did the math. 
The number of days from Joshua's spy, when he came back from a spy, and this moment in 14, uh, chapter 14 that I read, where he's basically like, this is what happened. I was 40 years old when Moses sent me in, and 45 years have gone by. 16,425 days. Um, and he says, here I am today, 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. It's probably not helpful for us to compare like our exact lives. Like, oh my gosh, Joshua was 85 and he still had such strength and vigor. Like, what protein powder was he eating? 85, so old. You know, Moses lived to 120. So the age comparison may not be all that helpful. Plus, it's not reporting fact, right? This is a story um, trying to say and do something. But I think we can ask, how does one nurture and preserve a life of faith over the long haul that still has vibrancy and vigor that long? Moses, at the end of his life, Deuteronomy, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, he gets to the end of his life and it says Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak and his vigor unabated. God, it's so good. How do you get, because we all start with like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm ready to go. I'm a freshman. You know, I'm doing this. Day one, I just got saved. Jesus is awesome. Let's go to battle because that's what it's all about. No, we're excited here, but how do you get to the end of your life where you're, you still have the same kind of, maybe it's, you know, tempered or matured a little bit, but there is still a passion and a vigor and a vibrancy to your faith. How does that happen? That is a question I am very much interested in because that's what I want for you. That's what I want for each of you in this room, the people that call awake at home who are in the hearing of my voice. I want for you to have the same kind of vibrancy and vitality and passion, faith for God and the spiritual journey as you did day one, all the way 16,425 days later. So I'll close with a couple of questions. Like people who get to that point in their life where you know them and they're like, they still have the same vigor and uh, vibrancy and like love. Like, who are these kinds of people? I was just thinking about what, what would you describe them as? And I thought about doing an all-play question, but I'm way overboard here. So I'll just tell you what I came up with. <clears throat> I think these people are curious. All the way to the end. They're still wondering. They're still asking questions. They don't think that they have it all figured out, that there's more to learn. I think these people are humble. They hold loosely not with any less confidence, but not with a grip like this. They hold loosely the things that they believe because of their, their, their experience. But they also know that they don't know everything. They're humble. They're gentle. They have patience and openness. Whereas the kinds of people who get to the end and are not like that, like if you were to compare and contrast, these are cynical people. And cynicism is really easy, right? They're arrogant like they think they've figured it out and, and there's, they're due some kind of respect because of what they know. They're frenzied sometimes, like running around grasping things, jaded, protective, closed. I, I want to be the kind of leader and I want you to be the kinds of people who have the same vibrancy and faith and passion as you did as day, day one as you do all the way at the end. So 
what do you need to do now to become that kind of character in your story? You get one life, one shot at this. So what kind of person do you want to be at the end? And then what do you have to do now in order to become that person in your own story? That is a very, very deep, profound, and important question that I would highly recommend you spend some time with, maybe in your meditation practice. (laughs) That, my friends, is all I could find this week. So I've given it to you with as much vigor and passion as I can muster. I hope that something that we've wandered through today sticks with you. And I trust that maybe you'll carry something on and and chew, meditate, uh, mull on something. Whether it be consecration and calling and what that means. Whether it means, you know, Joshua, was he strong and courageous or was he the one who needed to be told be strong and courageous? Or how do you make it through a life with vibrancy all the way to the end? I'm going to offer a word of prayer and then a moment of silence. And then Mel's going to lead us in a closing song, just one song. And it's a, it's a new song for us, but it's really been a prayer for me throughout this Lent. Um, so if you don't know it, I would encourage you just to receive it. Uh, if you do know it and you want to sing along, feel free to, to belt it out uh, as our prayer for not only ourselves, but our community as a church. Uh, and I think that'll make sense in a second. So pray with me. God, for just a moment, we want to uh, stop talking <laughs> and listen to quiet our hearts and our minds, to slow down our breathing enough to where we might be able to hear a question or even a statement, uh, a moment, an encouragement, a word of exhortation from you for us and our life that is right in front of us. So, For the next few moments of silence, would you give us the gift of eyes to see you and ears to hear you? Living God, speak now. Would you stand for a benediction? Friends, there's a lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot of things in front of us that we don't know. I just, I think I speak on behalf of our leadership team and our staff that, um, gosh, there is a sense that like, there's new wine, there's fruit, there is a, a, a new spirit, a, a wind that is freshening. And um, so I, I, I guess I just want to ask you this morning as a church, That song, the chorus is like very personal, like make me a vessel, make me an offering where there's, you know, send me out. But like, will you commit to that as a community? Make us a vessel. Make, like if there's new wine, pour it into us and like send us out into the world for good news, yeah? That when people come into contact with you, people who call this place home, and I pray that for the church of Jesus Christ, right? Not just this church. That when people come into contact with those who are, sold out and passionate and vibrantly following this Jesus, that they would find good news. They would find new wine, that there'd be fruit and life and light. So, uh, like, if, if you want that, then, like, stick around, because that's where we're headed.
So this is like a sending and a blessing and a, a consecrating of you all. And I don't know how that all works, but I'm going to do it anyways <laughs> and send you out into the world because you've been called. You've been called to represent, to show up, to be light and to be hope in the places you find yourselves, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your families, in uh, your neighborhood grocery stores, wherever your feet go, may they bring good news and fruit and life and love. Yeah? So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord, like, may his countenance be lifted up to you and your life and may, him, may, may they bring you peace, a peace that transcends and passes all understanding that you can't explain but you can only testify to to say, I know it because I've lived it, because it's in me. So go and love the world and give yourself away. See you next week. Bye. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.